Welcome to the show. It's good to be back. I've had some cancellations last week, but I have a lot of interviews lined up for this week. And first up is Adam Seisler, singer of the band Sweetwater. Now, you may be asking, who is Sweetwater? Well, growing up in Seattle in the 90s, there were a lot of great bands, and this was honestly one of my favorites. So I don't think they got the national recognition they deserved. Uh, but if you listen to their music, it still holds up, in my opinion. The first self-titled record with songs like Everything Will Be Alright and Head Down are so great. And locally, they were on the radio in Seattle, uh, but it's really their second record, Super Friends, that's just brilliant, in my opinion. It's criminally underrated, and I've re-listened to it recently, and it's still so great. Uh, the songs are just so catchy. If you like melodic rock with catchy sing-along choruses, I think you'll love it. And I will never understand why this big, uh, band wasn't bigger. And I continue to be a fan. Luckily, I have this platform where I can help get the word out a little bit for some of these bands and hopefully make a new fan or two. Uh, but even if you are not a fan of Sweetwater, I think you'll enjoy this interview. Adam is super down to earth. He has some great stories about the band as well as other Seattle bands and that whole scene in the 90s. And I really enjoyed chatting with him and I hope you guys enjoy it too. So here we go. So welcome, Adam Seisler to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. How the hell are you? Really good. Really awesome. Good. Well, this is exciting. I know there may be some people going out there, what band is this? Who's Sweetwater? I loved you guys in the 90s. I grew up in Seattle. So I thought you guys were amazing. And so I think I want to hit, tell your story of the whole band. And I mean, it's a really great story. And, um, you know, I think you guys should have been bigger. I really do. So, but let's start at the beginning. Um, so how did you get into singing? I, I know, you know, some of your influences, you're into like Mick Jagger and, uh, you know, uh, Bob Marley, but Iggy Pop, that was kind of your number one. Yes. Well, in the 90s, I was really into Iggy Pop. Just okay. Because, I mean, well, okay. How I got into singing really honestly is um, basically church choir. Oh, that's <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a lot. That's usually how it goes. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I, I loved, I always loved to sing, you know, just even when I was like in elementary school when, you know, back then, I don't even know if they do it anymore, but they would have, you know, the time that, that all the kids now we sing a song, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and I just loved that. That was like one of my favorite, you know, parts of school. So I, I just always really loved to sing. And then, um, I, I went in this kind of Northwest boys choir thing, uh, that my mom got me into. And then she, I mean, and I was loving it. I was there for only a couple months. And then, uh, and then she was like, yeah, you know what? You're going to have to quit that because we can't afford it. And I was like, no. <laughs> and so, and I remember it was 44 bucks a month. Cause I remember, you know, I was like, God, $44 a month. If I only had that. Um, but the cool wow. thing is she, that then she found, uh, um, she found this, this, uh, some teacher, some, uh, who was, who was at a church at the first Methodist church downtown. I don't know if you know that are, are you, you're not in Seattle now, are you? I'm not now, but I lived there for the first 30 years of my life. I grew up, okay. at, I, I, um, I lived in Issaquah, but we would go to okay. downtown Seattle all the time. Okay. You probably, there, there's this huge domed building building. It's like right down on, I don't know, like a fifth and something fifth and Madison. Okay. Um, and it's it, anyway, it's this huge, massive dome building. And uh, it's the first Methodist church and, and it's, uh, I guess it was, you know, built kind of early days of Seattle. It's a really cool building. Anyway, uh, the guy who was teaching there was a really good vocal teacher. And so, and it's free, you know, because oh, the church, right? Nice. <laughs> and so uh, she was like, you know, she heard through, you know, there's no internet then. You had to like hear from friends or right. some, something like that. And like, this guy's really good. And so, um, so I went there and she would drive me there. I think we practiced like maybe even twice 
a week, at least certainly once during the week. And then we would do two performances on Sunday, one in the early morning for all the old ladies at the little chapel. And then we'd go to the big, the big, you know, dome building. And I later looked it up and it fits like a thousand people. It's wow. huge. So you're and seeing would, like church songs though. Yeah. Well, okay. but they were like Bach. It was like, it was, it wasn't like, you know, um, take me down to the river and let, you know, pray or whatever. It was like, it was like, you know, Yezu, you know, it was, <laughs> it was like old, you know, like old music and uh, kind of like, um, yeah, like Bach. Okay. So, members. and you, you went to this, uh, the Bush school, which is the only, uh, apparently the only independent K through 12 private school in Seattle. And that's where you met some of these guys from Sweetwater. Was that, I know originally you guys were called Shotgun Mama, SGM, right? SGM, yeah. Well, it was SGM. I mean, it's kind of a complicated story, but but basically in a nutshell, yes, we all went to high school together and we even grew up together even earlier than that. Because I have I went to, I guess, third grade, part of third grade with with Rich, uh-huh. a guitar player, and, um, and Cole, who's one year younger, uh, the bass player. So we all grew up really close to each other and... and um, as I say, went to high school together. And then in high school, I was, Cole and I were in a band with the one guy who was like the best guitar player in, in school, Jeremy Rudo. And he could play, he was really into Hendrix and he could play like, you know, oh. starts, he could play with his teeth like Hendrix did. What? And, and so, whatever happened to this guy? Did he ever make it? Good question. You know, he, he kind of like, some people who are really good musicians play with other people and they, you know, play in bands and they usually end up keeping, you know, doing something. Right. Um, but some people play in their bedroom and then they just end up never, you know, sort of, well, I mean, maybe they keep playing in their bedroom, but well, now they have TikTok and people, I see all these, some of the funniest people are on TikTok. Too bad they didn't have TikTok back then. He could have done. That's true. He could have, you're right. You could have done his own thing. Yeah. But, but, uh, he, yeah, he just kind of didn't, didn't end up, you know, playing with people. Okay. So I, I actually, I lost touch with it, but anyway, he was a really good guitar player. We had a band that, uh, uh, and we called it, uh, the experience. We basically played Jimi Hendrix covers, honestly. Oh. And we had, a, we had a couple, uh, of our own songs. Um, the first one was called, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Where did she go? Where's my baby? I don't know. <laughs> that was my first. That's song. good. I like that. Hey, you know, it's not bad for a yeah, first song. For a high school uh, song. That's good. <laughs> Better than what so I anyway, so you had that band, and then when yeah. did you guys form so Shotgun? Yeah, we had Mama? that band, and Rich, the guitar player, had um, uh, he, he had another band that, uh, called the Skank Puppies, and they were like punk rock band. And so we would all play. I don't know if you ever went to the place called the Gorilla Gardens. No. Okay, so there was. I never heard of that. Um, it was Gorilla Gardens, and then the other uh, it was called like Rock Theater. Or something. it had it was like two venues in one, and it was all ages. Oh, because really see, that was my um, biggest thing. I was young. So I never could go to the shows. Like there'd be bands I want to see at Rock Candy and stuff. And I was like 21 and over. Can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, so this was way early. And again, this, uh, I mean, I don't know about way early. It was the 80s. Oh, and yeah. That, I was a little, little kid. Yeah. So this is probably a little, exactly. It was kind of before like the rock really had, but but this is where a lot of the bands like Soundgarden played there. Uh, let's see, Green River, um, even apparently um, Guns N' Roses, when they came up through town, played there. Apparently, ah. I, hear, I heard that, but, but I, I, I didn't. I wasn't at the show. They did so do a not. Seattle sh- tour, the, like that West Coast tour or whatever. So. Yeah, I think I think they like might have played really there. early. I believe it. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and so anyway, it was this guy Tony Chu who ran it, and you basically anyone could get a show. You just showed up and said, "I'm a band," and you know you didn't get paid. I don't think they paid us at all, but um, but you know they had a stage. You get up there and you could play a show. How amazing. many people were showing up? Oh, it'd be like, you know, 15 or so. Basically our friends. 
<laughs> but you know, that's exciting though. That's great, yeah. yeah. I think we, one time we, we brought a, an old television on there and like smashed a television or something totally stupid like that. Anyway, it was, Oh, that's it, funny. Yeah. Uh, I had a Krista makes on from less than Jake. And he mm-hmm. told me stories like when they started out, they he'd go to like the Goodwill and get all these like stuffed animals and throw them in the crowd and like rip them up. Just like it just do weird shit to like get no, people's no. attention. Well, we thought some reason he had to do weird shit like that. Yeah. He's like, well, got to get a television to smash it. What's our, what's, what's our theater? Like, you know, right. what's, what's our thing? Yeah. So, but you guys, uh, I mean, this one, according to the, I think it was Wikipedia or something said, yeah. you guys uh, garnered acclaim as a second generation punk pioneers in the Seattle scene playing with Nirvana, the accused, the rejectors and the Melvins. Yes. Yeah. So that was all, that wasn't really me, honestly. So that, okay. So, so Rich did the skank puppies thing. Um, and then I left and went to, to, to school in California because I was like, I was oh. one year older than Cole and, and Paul, who's a drummer. And, um, and then they formed this band, SGM, and they kind of combined forces with, with Rich, who was doing Skank Puppies. And this was all the kind of the punk rock scene, Mo- mostly in that Gorilla Gardens. It was all punk rock. Okay. And, and we all loved, you know, like my first show was the Dead Kennedys uh, at the Hippodrome. Um, and so we all, uh, you know, were kind of into like, you know, punk rock bands at that, at the time. Um, and then, so, so anyway, they formed SGM and it didn't stand for anything. It was just SGM. Um, so did you, you never played in SGM at all? I did later. I did okay. later. So this is where, so sorry, the story takes a lot of turns, but basically they, they did SGM. They made a record and, uh, it's really a great record. I don't know if you've heard it at all. It's called aggression and it's, it's no. On, yeah, so it's 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 out on vinyl and stuff. You can, I mean, it's probably hard to find. I'll I'll, I'll get a link. Okay. Um, yeah, because I listened it, to Tur, which is some of your early demos, the Sweetwater. Yes, but this yeah, is before that, that even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this is even before that. So they had a record. And they actually got signed to to some small record label in, in California, and um and I think they paid them eight grand, and they got a van out of that. It's <laughs> <This> big <laughs> nice. brown van. That's cool. So, yeah. And so, so were you in it when they played with Mother Love Bone? Yes, I was. I was. So, so yeah. So, 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 um, so anyway, so I'll, I'll, I'll go faster. They had, they got this thing, they got the band, they had a singer, the singer went off to college, didn't want to do it. And so then oh. basically I was in school for a year and came back and they're like, Hey Adam, would you, would you, you know, we're, we're doing this, this tour and, and I think make a record. I forget. Hey Adam, will you, will you sing with us? And so I was like, sure. Sounds, sounds like, fun. <laughs> sounds great. And so we had, cause we had played together before back sure. in high school. Yeah. And then, um, and so I joined up with SGM and then, yes. And, that, and that's right when Love Bone was happening. Oh. So, um, you know, the, the, uh, and I'm trying to think the first time we saw them, but it was, I think it was at Central Tavern and you know where that is? Pioneer is that Square? Pioneer Square? Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. Yeah. So Central Tavern, again, this was before Rock Candy, before like the scene was really happening. It was like really early. The only places you could play were Gorilla Gardens or, um, tab, you know, basically, you know, bars. And, mm-hmm. and so Central Tavern was kind of special because it had a pretty good sound system, hmm. but it was still just a big bar and it had, a, it did have a stage 21 and over. We were too young. And so we would stand outside and like put our faces against the glass and, and watch the show. And, uh, they just blew my mind. I mean, they were so freaking good and, and we'd never seen anything like it. I mean, we'd seen punk rock bands. We'd yeah. seen that kind of, we're trying to be like musical, but sort of sucked. And these guys came out and Andy was just owning the crowd. Andrew Wood, the singer from, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask for a story about him because I don't hear too many stories about about him. Like what was he, did you ever get to meet him? Or, I mean, you obviously saw him. I wasn't like friends or anything. Again, they were a little bit older, kind of like probably similar to you and me. Like 
they were like four years older than a stone, you know, all those Jeff and, and stuff. And so they were just kind of that, you know, something about four year spread is like, you know, you wouldn't be in high school together and you're kind of in a different like generation. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they were kind of, yeah, they were older. And, and um, so, yeah, I wasn't like friends or anything, but we definitely uh, had, had a bunch of connections because um, just because there were, weren't, there were only so many people, playing you know, music you were in a band you kind of ended up hanging out and, right you know, you'd play basketball and stuff like that and football but um but uh i'm trying to think of a story frame well I'll, I'll just tell you this one thing so so watching the show andy just 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 you know owning the crowd i mean besides singing he, he would just talk to the crowd and he would you know say all these like funny things and he was like penis vagina nothing fine <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, he would just like make the stuff up up there and people just, you know, so, so blown away. But anyway, and they had backing vocals, you know, it was like, take me to the stage, bring me home again. This is Shangri-La. Mm. And they, they would all come in. They would all <sighs> love that song. And it, was, ah, it was just, it was incredible. So, so that was great. And then we actually opened up for them pretty soon after that. Yeah. At Central. That. And so this was really cool. Cause so the, the rules were, I think I was 19 or 18 or something at the time you could play a show in an over 21 club, but then right after your, 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 you know, set was done, you had to leave. And so, so I was like, okay, fine. We got in, we played, played our little set. And then I just like jumped into the crowd off the stage right after I was done. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of hid in the crowd and no one, you know, they didn't really care. Right. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like they were going to like hunt me down. And so, did you so, get yeah, a beer? Did you get someone to get drinks for no, you? No, I, okay. I didn't. I so was you just play like, by the rules. All right. Yeah, I was just That's like, good. want to see the show, like yeah. you know, and and I did, and it was that was fantastic. So, um, trying to think, one one, you know, as I say, you know, didn't really hang out too much with Andy, but I will say, um, I do remember when we played Legends, uh, and so we also opened up for them one one other time in Tacoma. Do you, do you know that place, Legends? Uh no, I don't think so. It was anyway. It's just a big. It was just a big huge room like an auditorium kind of thing okay you know? and they had a bunch of bands there and again anyone you know, <laughs> wasn't too hard to get a gig there and so but uh we went and opened up for love bone and i remember that uh zana who was his girlfriend um was he was getting his outfit he would always wear these amazing outfits and and he had this like white i don't want to say it was like not leather but it was sort of like leather like hmm. and then she had painted all this like incredible sort of scroll you know, scroll drawing all over this thing. And then, but he was try- about to go on and she, she was still had her paintbrush. And was still working. <laughs> Jeez. That's kind of close. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. That's one thing. I remember. That's funny. Uh, now, and did you do a show with the, the band? I saw, I thought I saw this on your Instagram. You played with Vane. It's kind of like a oh, hair band. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, did you play did with you that play one? With Vane? I don't remember. Play- we probably did. We played with, um, Oh my God, was it Warrant? Uh, no way, really? Uh, wait, who, who, what's the song? She was only seven. Oh, Winger? Winger. Thank you. I knew it wasn't Warrant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Winger. Oh man. Really? That was, yeah, that was later as, as Sweetwater. That was our first oh. tour. We were on Atlantic Records and um, it was, yeah, not the best band. But, uh, but anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll kind of fast forward. So that was all the early, early years. Then, mm-hmm. then I quit, went back to school. We all kind of like disbanded for a while. And then, SGM disbanded. Uh, yeah, SGM disbanded. Okay. We, it, you know, we were it just you know Andy died, and everyone was mm. like, okay, this is sort of you know sort of sucks. Um, 
And I was just like, I got to go back because I kept quitting school, you know, um, I, I knew. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to go back. What were you going so, to school for? Uh, for computers. Uh, ah. I mean, computer science. So I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was always writing code and writing music. That is a fascinating combo. That, that reminds, I don't know if you know, comedian, uh, Fahim Anwar, he's from Seattle, yeah. but he was an, enge- he's an engineer and he's a comedian. Like he had it, his dad made him go to school. And so he got an engineering degree but he's the funniest guy. He's a comedian. So that's fascinating. That's because that's a, kind of a rare combo. Those things, you know, I think it is, but slash, I think there's something like, you know, especially when I was younger, everyone was like, what you're into, you know, nerdy computers and you're like, you know, cool music. How's that possible? And, but I think that there's something about, um, something about music and the patterns of music that is similar oh, to the patterns true. of like writing. Yeah, Cause that's like the stereotypical, like band nerd. There's a lot of music people that are kind of like nerdy, like yes, Trent Reznor yeah. was in the marching band. He had, you know, he was like a nerdy marching band guy with a hat and everything. And, and exactly. He, he's a brilliant musician. About, so yeah. And if you, you know, to, to do music, you have to like, you know, you have to like, practice mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to actually do it over and over and over fucking it i mean that's what i remember like back in the sgm days like i was just terrible and uh you know i couldn't i just couldn't figure out how to sing with you know even though i had all that singing training and i was doing those you know solo things in front of a yeah. thousand people it was different in the band and i you know it took me a while to like figure out how to be me and and and, and, and project something of, you know, that, that was bigger, bigger, bigger than me, but still me, you know right, what I mean? Right. And, and it's, and not trying to be someone else, like uh-huh. try, or trying to, you know, and even like, you know, with Andy, it was like everyone, well, I mean, I definitely wanted to, you know, be like him and how does he pull that off? And how does he just, he was so larger than life. And so I, I got, you know, I didn't like, like look at his moves or anything like that, but it was like, I got the idea that you could do that, that mm-hmm. that, that is possible. And so, you know, for all my shows that you probably remember back in the day, like, I mean, I would always try to just make it so huge, you know, just, just, just something that was like a real show, like not just playing music, like, like truly like, you know, putting that, that, that energy out there to That's awesome. make it. Yeah. So yeah. I got, I mean, that was really for Mandy. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Cause so then you guys, anyways, you guys get back together, it was yeah, so, 90, so 1990 yeah, so that you, you changed, you formed Sweetwater. Exactly. So 1990. And what happened is, is they, um, somehow rich met this guy, Dudley, Dudley Taft, mm-hmm. um, who was this virtuoso, like freakishly good guitar player. Um, and he was sort of famous because he did the, the bong hit in the, in BC boys song. Um, I'm trying to remember which song it is, but it was like, stop, stop, and then <laughs> <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that on, on, uh, um, on Paul's boutique, but, uh, okay. anyways, so, so <laughs> that's an interesting piece of trivia there. That's kind of yes. cool. And deadly. Cause he knew the dust brothers who produced that record. Mm. He was good friends with them. Okay. Uh, and so anyway, so deadly really great guitar player. He's playing with these guys. Um, and they're trying to get something going. And, you know, I was b- back in school and then they, uh, they got together in a practice place and they actually practiced the same place as Allison chains. Um, uh, and, they were practicing, practicing. They wrote a bunch of songs and then they get the same thing. Hey, Adam, can you, you know, I know you're in school. You want to finish school. Like you, you don't, you know, we're not expecting you to do the band, but can you just come in and help us and like, just get a demo together? Like maybe sing on the demo. Like if you could just write these songs, that'd be amazing. You know, like, can you just write these songs? Yeah. Can you just write some songs for us yeah. and sing in the demo, but you don't have to be in the band. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 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 And I was like, I don't know. I'm just very gullible. But so weren't you like, loving it too? Like you're like, aren't you flattered? Yeah. And aren't you having fun writing these songs? And I, I once, yeah, once I started, they knew once I 
started, then I would be totally into it. So okay. they just had to get me to start. So, so what was so what was this thing in your brain? Like, I got to go to school and I got to get a computer degree. Why why didn't you have the thing that said, I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a musician. You know, it's a good question. I mean, I, I did. I really did. And I really wanted it. Um, but I just kind of felt like maybe I, 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 I didn't know if I could do it, really. And I, I had never put it this way prior to to then, prior to actually writing those 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 five songs that we did, I had never written anything that I was truly like thought was that I was really proud of that, that I thought mm. was like, you know, like real music that said something that, that, that I would want to listen to put it that way. Okay. Um, and so I didn't know if I, you know, if I basically had the skill, I mean, I could sing, but I couldn't, could I write, could I, could I make something, you know, back then? Well, there's a lot of singers that can't write. I know. I didn't even realize that back then. Back (laughs) then I thought you had to, you you know, you had to write all the lyrics. You had to write this, you know, how do you, now did you play guitar? Did you write songs? You write the music back then too, as well. Uh, mostly no, I mostly okay, just mostly did the lyrics, lyrics. and, the, and the, you know the the melody and all that. Yeah, um, but I wouldn't. Do, I mean, even though I did play guitar, I just wasn't. That was kind of like, you know, that was their job. Okay, sure. <laughs> and so, so yeah, they had written all the music already, and then it was my job to write the lyrics. And, okay, you know, tune and everything. So they they had these five songs, and I had my little like, four track. And so I just, you know, kind of fired it up. And then I wrote, I wrote all the songs and, you know, all five of them are on tour actually. Um, and you know, that, 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 that demo record. Mm-hmm. And, now is that, is everything will be all right. Is that one on tour or is that like, yeah, yeah, that's on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah, that's yeah. a great song. Thank you. That I, I know I, I, that was cool. That was the first time I ever was again. That's part of that bigness. I was like, I'm going to start this thing with the chorus, the very first. And, and I love it. And, and just, you know, boom. Like, yeah. Cause it's like one of those songs fireworks. that, and we'll get into, I mean, so many of your songs, they're so catchy and they get in your head and you sing along to them. I like that kind of stuff. The, it's melodic. I would really say if that's, if that, hopefully that's not an insult. Yeah. No, Cause no, I know no, you guys are trying I, to be a little more punk, but I really, I like catchy stuff. That's no, uh, that was absolutely what I was going for. And still now, like I want it, everything I'm writing, I want it to be like a real melody, like a melody that you sticks in your head that you can just, you know, that, 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 um, yeah, that, 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 that can stand by itself. So yeah, no, needs no music behind it. Right. So you write those five songs at that point. Now you kind of, you have maybe a little more confidence and you believe in yourself. Yeah. Now I'm like, Oh, these are good. This is good. (laughs) Got this good good guitar player. Nice. Yeah, this is cool. And so, so we went into the studio, we went into London bridge, um, and, uh, Jeff Amit, uh, you know, who is, I don't, I think there was trying to remember the timing, like, I think they were oh, Mookie right. Blaylock at this they point. Were Mookie, right? Yeah, they hadn't even. It was like, and you do a show post. with them, right? Too. Yes, we did. And so Jeff was friends with Cole, and he kind of took us under his wing, and oh. he hooked us up, and you know, said, "Hey, you should go to London Bridge because I think that's where they had recorded some some stuff." I think I think they ended up recording um, all of ten there actually. Okay. Um, and uh, and so he, you know, he just turned us on to that place. He's like, "Yeah, you should go there." And, and we did, and it was amazing. And this guy, Don Gilmore, uh, was the house engineer who, uh, who did the demos and he ended up producing our, our first record, but he, um, uh, and he later did like, he wanted it to be a huge, uh, Lincoln park. He did like, I mean, Avril Lavigne and he like wrote a bunch of her record and stuff. I mean, wow. but he was like just the, the house guy. Okay. And so, nice. and so, and so he did the first demo and, um, and it was, it was great. And so, so after that we were just off and running. And so yeah. then, then, uh, uh, Susan Silver, um, who managed, um, uh, Pearl Jam and Allison Chains and Screaming Trees at the time um, took us under her. her Is she her, the one that had the shoe store? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I talked yes. to Kevin Martin about about. I think she helped hit the Candlebox as well. 
Yeah, I think so. I, yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Is it Kelly? It might have been she and Kelly Curtis and they kind of split. I forget. I forget. Yeah, well, Kevin knows, obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, she had the shoe store and then she was and she was this like, you know, biggest manager in the in the in the town. And um, anyway, she helped us a little bit. And uh, and you played and, some shows with Allison Chains, right? And you did a show. Yes. I saw a thing that. Uh, Allison Chains and My Sister's Machine. And yeah, you did, looks like you did several shows. But so when I had Kevin um, from Candlebox on here, he was talking about Lane Staley mm-hmm. and how he was just so, because Candlebox got some shit, you know? And, but Lane Staley was like really nice to him. And he said he was like just one of the nicest, sweetest people he'd ever met. Did, did oh, you have I, that it, same interaction with him? Oh, yeah. Lane is a complete sweetheart. He was like, you know, it's just, it's so sad um, because he was, one probably one of the best singers, you know, I mean, for my mind ever, uh, rock singers, I mean, you know, forget about Seattle. Like, like, you know, he's one of my favorite period. Well, and so unique, um, like such a style, like he wasn't, yeah. who did he copy? I mean, he had his no. own thing. There was nobody else like him. I know. And everybody, you know, not everybody, a lot of people want to copy him, but he, yeah, yeah he created it, man. It was so cool. And, and they were, Oh, man, we played a bunch of shows with them, but we did tour with them later. But I mean, just around town and yeah. the thing about chains is they had this, this guy, Nafsi, Mark Nafsi, who was a sound production guy. Hmm. And he, uh, just took a, you know, took a liking to them. And he, he had the like most amazing sound gear. And so he would like make every one of those, their shows sound just like 10 times better than any show, you know, in the city. Cause he would bring his own freaking gear and he would have these crazy subwoofers that would be underneath the stage. And like, he would just do it up like, like ridiculously good. Okay. And so besides them being, you know, having incredible songs and everything, they just sounded huge because of Nafsi. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. That makes a big difference. I was was talking to my girlfriend today about production. I'm like, I need to get my production better on this thing. Like, you know, that, that's a big piece of like, uh, you know, yeah. music and videos and stuff. So totally. So yeah. So Lane. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so we, we did that. Then we ended up getting, um, we had that our first show was opening up for Mookie Blaylock, uh, mm-hmm. when they were still Mookie Blaylock at the off ramp. I remember that, that was, name. Yeah. Yeah. That was really crazy. Did you, I, were you at that show? Were you old enough? No, I was not old enough. I didn't, I, I didn't turn 18 until 96. So I don't even know if off okay. ramp was still available uh, around then. Probably not. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, it was kind but of. But I remember seeing like one. those names, like off ramp, and, and like seeing it in the stranger and stuff, and mm-hmm, and rock candy. Yeah. yeah. So it was basically those two clubs were right next to each other, and so the amazing so thing is, is people would you know back then. I mean, everybody went out to shows. It was it wasn't like, are you going to go to a show this weekend? It was like, what shows are you going to see? Mm. For every twenty something person, I mean, it was just like the whole the whole town because you know so what ended up so okay we had our first show with Mookie Blaylock change is kind of coming up but not quite at this point um they have a bunch of demos uh and we open up for Mookie and I mean I never forget because I was a little bit nervous because I hadn't played for a while and it was like we have these new songs you know I hope like I think this could be really cool but who knows and then I remember Cole said on the side of the stage to me he was like you know what you know you're feeling nervous right now look around but he's like we are so lucky like we're so lucky that we get to feel nervous like this, that we get to have the chance to. That's awesome that you could take that stuff. in at that point. Yeah. Cause some people, a lot of people forget that you're not, you don't take the, you know, you don't have the gratitude until then you regret it later. Oh, I wish I would have been more grateful. So right totally. away, first show, first show, he's like, he's like, we should be grateful. 
Yeah, you, you're awesome. lucky to feel this nervous. And I was like, fuck, you're right. You're right. This is like, we're on the edge. Like, this is this is cool. So then I went out and we just blew doors. It was, it was amazing. That's um, awesome. And, and so after that, um, you know, of course, Pearl Jam, you know, obviously became super huge. And we actually opened up their next show, which was at, I guess it was at Rock Candy. Rock Candy, I think. And that was, that was the live video. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. So and you got to stick around for that because you're over 21 yeah, now. Exactly, so, okay. I was 21 by yeah. then. <laughs> nice. And so, yeah, we, uh, and 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 then after that, after that first show, or maybe the, I guess the two, you know, so many people were coming to see them because it was, you know, Love Bone was such a huge deal in the city. Sure. Everyone was sort of like really anticipating what are these guys going to do next. They came out; it was incredible, and they also did Temple of the Dog, by the way, b- between then, which was another you know amazing record. And they they did they only did a couple shows for that, but I think they did one at the Moore. I was there, and it was amazing. Um, and so, so much buzz was happening. So it was like the shows were packed. It was not fifteen people; it was like you know hundreds, uh, like five hundred people or something. And so after that, we did you know we did well. And so then we started, uh, like almost immediately we could, we could sell out uh, our basically headline. Um, and so then we started selling out, you know, 500 seat shows like every weekend. So then how does, how you get signed in 92 by Jason Flom from Atlantic records. So for people who don't know, this guy's signed like a bunch of huge bands. How does he, how do you get signed? Is there, is there a story there? Like how much personal interaction did you have with Jason Flom? Or was it one of his minions that kind of like? No, no, he can't. He came. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so, so basically, you know, we were just at this point, we were just crushing it. I mean, as I say, we would sell out every show. Uh, Rock Candy, I think, held five, six hundred people, maybe more, and uh, and we'd sell that out. You know, almost every week, every other weekend, or something like that. And or we'd kind of alternate. We'd play off ramp and Rock Candy, and and it was just great. And people were just going crazy. And so then, and, th- and then we played this. Uh, so how did Jason, we would just send out, that's what Susan was helping with. And, and uh, this woman, Christine Shackley, who worked for Susan was kind of like, you know, in charge of us. And so she would send out all of our, that, that tour record, the, all the demo tapes, send it out to all the um, record companies. And then people, if they were interested, they'd like write back, you know, it was all freaking, it was literally like mailing letters <laughs> and they would write back and say, Hey, you know, we want to check, check this band out and maybe, and, and if they were really interested, they would fly out and see a show. Mm. And so what happened and that's basically how it worked. And so, you know, they hear your shit, they see if there's things being written about you, let's come in and see the, see the show. And so uh, Jason flew out and um, he saw a show at the okay hotel, which is all ages. So I don't know if you ever saw those shows, but I, no, I, I tried I, to go to one at the OK Hotel and it wasn't all ages. It was like 21 and over. it was like some what? sort of like super, super, uh, it was like all these like people from, from big bands got together and did some sort of jam session. I was like, Oh, oh. I want to go. I tried to go like, Nope, 21 over. Nope, tw- Damn it. That's- Oh my yeah, God. I missed a lot well, of cool stuff. It sucked. It's, it's, you know, it is really hard to make money without selling alcohol. Yeah. And those places just, they, they would pop up and pop up and they would always fail because, you know, what are you going to do? Like no one wants to just drink coffee and coffee and coffee. I mean, right. they just, <laughs> I remember going to like the YMCA would have shows. That was like, okay, there you that go. was for kids. So that was okay. But yeah. So uh, yeah. this, uh, the, the, so, your, your yeah, self titled. So, oh, so Flom's yeah. Really, yeah, tell me this. Yeah, so 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 Flom uh, flies in. We're super nervous. I mean, not super nervous, but you know, it's like kind of a big deal. It's like sure. the label guys can be here, fuck. Um, and so uh, he flies flies in and sees the show, and the show is just so packed. I mean, it's insane, and c- kids are going, you know, like crowd surfing, and like it's like everything nice. that you can imagine. 
and super hot. It was like in the summer and it was just like you know, sweating. I had this kind of crazy over, uh, overalls on and, um, Anyway, it was a great show, and uh, and he, I think he loved it. So he took us out to Thirteen Coins afterwards. Oh yeah, I remember that place. That's <laughs> yeah. fancy. Yeah, and it's like it's all night. You know, it all it was like never closes, right? Yep, that's right. The show whenever it was over, one o'clock or something, he took us there, and we're all, oh my god, what should we get? Uh, and then he had these red, um, red snakes snakeskin cowboy boots. <laughs> I remember that. That's that sounds like a record label <laughs> exactly. guy, yeah. Because it was like so, like oh my god, really? Like that would not be cool in Seattle. And and um, but he had, <laughs> and so we <laughs> we were asking him, you know, we just kind of asked him a bunch of questions, and and uh, he had signed Twisted Sister. That was kind of I think <laughs> nice, big, yeah. That was a big one. <laughs> is and now because he wasn't, you know, later after he signed us, um, he went on to have hit after hit after hit. But he had, that was his only hit. It's just his sister before us. Well, I think then didn't I, they have Skid Row too? He signed Skid Row. That was in the eighties. There's probably a few more too. Did he sign Skid Row? I okay. think so. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Okay, so if he signed Skid Row, obviously that yeah. Okay, so that's pretty big. Okay, so maybe maybe <laughs> wrong, but <laughs> but Twisted Sister was the big one that yeah cause, sure because uh, that was the uh, the other thing is he told stories about that because at the label, no, no one wanted to sign them. There was like, what the, you know, what is this? Yeah. Cause they're, you know, the guy with the crazy hair and it was, it was not like a hairband and it wasn't like, what is this? Yeah. It's a hit. That's what it is. And, and so he's a smart guy. He knew. Yeah. And they kind of let him go out on a limb and, 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 and sign, sign them. And of course, obviously, you know, that song was like ridiculously big. Um, so anyway, so Flom came, loved us. He, everything will be all right was the song that, that, that he loved. And so he was like, that's a hit. Um, and so he signs us and, uh, and we were just through the roof. It was like, are you kidding me? Like we're on a freaking major label, Atlantic records. They fly us out to New York. Um, he, I even, uh, he, he took me to personally go up to the top floor of the, you know, whatever, one Rockefeller or wherever they were um, at the time. And uh, I met Ahmed Erdogan. I don't know if you know who that is. No. Uh, He's the, uh, he started, one of the people started Atlantic Records. Oh, okay. And and he like, you know, like, like basically like did all these Stones records and he's like credited with influencing like tons of, you can look him up. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I don't know some of these people. I love learning about it. Like I think I just recently learned about Jason Flom like a year ago or something. I'm like, Mm. oh my God, this guy like signed all these huge bands. Yeah. And he, and he's, he was a really cool guy. And it was so cool that he took me to meet Ahmed Erdogan because he's, he's a legend. He's like a true legend. And he's this, and he's the old guy. He's from Turkey. I think originally we go up to his office, you know, everything else is like normal what you expect cubicles and posters everywhere. It's like a record, you know, a record yeah. company. And then we go up to his office and it, you open it up and it's like something out of like a Marvel comics, like, you know, the, the, the rich, you know, mogul at the top of the, 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 the skyscraper and you walk in, it's like all carpeted with like Oriental rugs and like wood panels. And it's just a super wow. badass place. And he's sitting there at like a partner's desk, you know, hello, come, come here, <laughs> come here, young, young boy. <laughs> and he comes in and, 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 you know, I sort of had this audience with, you know, the, the, the Pope or whatever. And, uh, and then Jason's like, you know, is there anything, you know, you want to, want to ask him? And I was like, do you have any advice? And then, and then he's like, don't be afraid to be poetic. Okay. That's pretty and good. I was like, okay. I will not be afraid to be poetic. And that's it. And I was, and I was like, thank you, sir. <laughs> and we left. Okay. 
And then you record that self, that uh, self-titled album uh, yes. produced by Don Gilmore, who did uh, Lincoln Park and uh, Lit and Pearl Jam and mixed by Tim Palmer, who did Mother Love Bone and Pearl Jam and Robert mm-hmm. Plant. So you had some pretty good uh, production on there definitely, and definitely. really yeah, go good songs. But I remember, like I said, you said everything all will be all right. Flom thought it was going to be a hit. I remember it as a hit in Seattle, but why do you think it didn't make it nationally? Or You know, I think a, a couple things. One, um, so first of all, the label was so great on the first record. They totally, we did videos. We, we um, you know, they, they supported us fully. So there was no like issue with the label, like, you know, not, not treating us right. Um, uh, they're amazing. So I think what happened is like, you know, we had this demo. I don't know if you've heard the demo version of everything would be all, mm-hmm. all right. The tour version. Tour yeah. Version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like faster and yeah. it's kind of, it's sort of more energetic and just more, it's like more out there. Like it's more, more exciting. And, and I don't know, I, I, I just, it just captures you more. And I think then when we went to like really record it, we were just a little, first of all, we slowed it down by accident. That wasn't like on purpose. It just happened to be, you know, I don't know. We didn't, I don't know. We didn't listen to the demo version. We just played it how we've been practicing it. And, and somehow it just kind of slowed down a little bit. Hmm. It's probably that grungy thing. Like everyone was slowing oh, down. Like yeah. chains. I don't know if, if you ever hear chains demos, they're like, you know, 50% faster, all the songs than, than what they were. When they really? Were I'll have to check some yeah. of that out. Yeah. So I'll, I'll see if I can find some they have great demos, but probably um, find it on YouTube. Yeah. You probably can. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, they, uh, so we slow down a little bit and that song just, you know, the tempo slowdown was worse. So that's number one. Um, I also think it was just, you know, it was just, we were just too much like now we're going to do it right. You know, and even the production was a little, a little bit, you know, it was just Tim Palmer, uh, is this incredible mixer, but he, he does like tears for fears, you know, that he did that first, uh, Robert Plant record, uh, pictures at 11, I think it was called, you know, mm-hmm. I'm moving for melody, melody. I don't know if you remember that. But, so uh, maybe it was, these are obviously talented producers and engineers, yeah. but maybe just not the right fit for your band. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't, it, it, I don't think it was a, Don was great, but, and it, we wanted Don to mix it and he probably would have done a better job. Mm. Again, Tim is incredible, but, but just, the fit like to, you know it's very affected and there's mm-hmm. like massive reverb and there's it's just kind of like soft you know mm-hmm. and i think we needed something a little not punk rock but like a little bit harder okay um, and 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 more exciting and the, the 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 i think if we had just released the the you know the sort of demo version it probably would have been a hit mm-hmm. um so so that's that's number one the other thing is the video um the video we did was was pretty good but then i had these like big glasses on and i had all this kind of like over the top stuff um and then at the time mtv was like well we already have one uh, lenny kravitz just did this video with when he's wearing big sunglasses and we don't need another one what <laughs> that's a weird just, reason to not play of, a video yeah, i know it was just kind of random and okay um, so and the video was actually pretty cool but uh so then that didn't hit. And, and, and also I think, you know, I just think it was really going back to the core thing. I think the song didn't have that like crazy energy that, that it could have. Okay. And so, so then we ended up doing another single, which was head down, yeah, which also song. is a really cool song. That was played locally as well. Right. Yeah. And I yeah, remember hearing those two yeah. songs on the radio. I feel like. Yeah. And they, and they, they actually got some national um, play, but uh, never really, really broken. As I say, I just think, you know, listening back production the songs really cool. When we play it live, it's like amazing. Okay. Um, I've, but, I've actually but, never seen you live to be, to what? be honest. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I don't know how, you know, back then there was like no internet. So it's like, I just never knew. 
And I think also you guys played a lot of like 21 always, and over. Yeah, it was always 20. I mean, we did do occasionally those all ages show. We did, we did a bunch of all ages shows in, in Olympia, actually. That's oh, mostly. That's always a little Olympia. far for me. But yeah, so yeah. tell me about you did a tour in 94 with Candlebox and Flaming Lips. That sounds like yeah. a great package. I wish yeah. I had seen that show. I saw Candlebox and Tool. That was a cool show too. But tell me about this uh, tour okay. with uh, Candlebox and Flaming Lips. And, and uh, that was a great, great tour. I mean, uh, so okay, so fast forward, we we made our set, second record because that's when we did the Candlebox tour. Oh, was that the se- after the second? Uh, yeah, it was, okay. It wasn't the first record. It was later. So so we did our second record, and the second record was actually like a hit record. I know? love that record. Yeah. That's what made me the biggest because I heard the first two songs off your first record, mm-hmm. but I don't think I had the first record. But mm-hmm. I, I bought the second record because of the song Feed Yourself. I would hear that on 107.7. And I was like, this song is amazing. I love this song. I'm like, I don't care about the rest. Because back then you had to just take a chance. You knew exactly. one song, exactly. maybe two. Yeah. And you're you like, yeah. if right. you got two, you're lucky. And then you're just like, yeah, yeah. I hope the rest of the record's good. Exactly. And I listened to this record. I just listening to it. My girlfriend's singing along because I play it so much now because it, it holds the test of time. I mean, who people who don't know who your band is need to check this out. It's a great, it's on Spotify. They can listen for free. It's mm-hmm. like every song is good. I'm like, this song should be a hit. This song should be a hit, but definitely feed yourself was the one that hooked me. That, and that was my favorite too. Uh, and that song we actually wrote uh, while we were recording the record. So, so that one hmm. we went down and we recorded with Dave Jordan, who's just like incredible producer. He did, well, he did, he did, uh, Alice in Chains. Yeah. Um, all, 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 he did the first record facelift. He did dirt. Offspring. He did, he did anthrax, Jane's addiction, yep. Jane's addiction. That's when he got famous. Like that's what made his mark is he did that first Jane's, uh, uh, nothing's shocking record, which was no one had ever heard anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, that anyway, that's- he called your band, uh, Mott the hoople meets the nineties. Yeah. Okay. So that, and he was always saying that he was always like, this is like, you know, 1973 David Bowie glam, you know, you got to just push it, like be that, be that go, go, go. And, um, and so I think we could have even gone more of that, you know, I think we sort of like, we were kind of grunge yet. We wanted to, at least I wanted to be this kind of more, more, you know, more like Freddie Mercury, like out there performer, like you've never seen the show. So it's hard. Like I'll, I need to I'll, see it live. I'll yeah. You, I'll send you a clip or whatever, but, um, but that was kind of what I was going for. And, and, uh, anyway, so Jordan just crushed it on the record. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, and we, we recorded it at, at, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, what's going Marvin Gaye's, uh, old studio. Okay. Uh, and it was really cool. It had like a bedroom in the top there and he used to live there apparently. Uh, and mirrors everywhere. Where is that in California? Or? Yeah, it's in, it's in LA. It's okay. like in East, yeah, East, East Hollywood. But did you say um, you weren't kind of happy with the production? Like you wish that you didn't, you had captured more of a live feel. No, on no, it? no. The first record, the first, first record, record, not the second. Yeah, no, record. no. The, 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 yeah. Second record was Jordan and he did a great job. Okay. At, you know, Who came that. up with the, uh, this, why, like the devil <laughs> horns? Why is that your logo? Cause that's that, more like an eighties metal thing. Totally. Well, it was kind of like a, like sarcastic kind of like thing, but then it became kind of cool. Like it was, like, <laughs> it was, and then, and then it was actually this guy, Matt, um, Oh God, what's his name? Matt something. Or no, no, Mike, Mike, two M's Mike something. And I'm spacing the last name, but anyway, he, he, uh, he did all the, the packaging and all the art. Oh, okay. And he, uh, and he, we had the thing. Oh, I think, I think it was him who we had that somehow in, in some of our, someone had drawn it or whatever. Okay. And he just jumped on. He was like, oh, this is going to be the logo. And so then he had a friend who like turned it from a drawing into like, 
you know, kind of fancy computer, like perfect oh. look. And, and he's like, don't worry, I, I'll make this happen. And, and so that he, it was really him who did, did all that. And then did he Mike put Mills, Mike Mills? That's okay. His name, Mike Mills, did he yeah. do the, uh, the stuffed animals too? On the, yes. That's yes. kind of a cool <laughs> idea too. Yeah. That was all him. Like yeah. he was, he, he, yeah, it was really cool. Um, so anyway, yeah. So that second record was hit record. And yeah. that, you know, the now, did you guys make it, a video for feed yourself or no, superstar? We never made any video. So, so this is what happened. We, we moved from Atlantic to East West, which is kind of a affiliate of, 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 of the same record company. And now, now why is that? Why did you guys move? Uh, I don't even really know that it, it I don't even know, honestly. Hmm. Well, because our inner person moved. That that's right. So oh. we, we actually so Flan, it was actually Flan, but then Flan was too big time at the time, and so Wendy, this this um, uh, Wendy Berry, took us on, and then she moved to East West, and so we moved with her. And so I think at that point, you know, since our first record didn't sell, I mean, we probably would have gotten dropped from the record company, but they heard Superstar. They heard the demo of Superstar, and was and they were like, "Oh, this is this is amazing. This is a hit." Okay, yeah, let's, that let's should have been a huge record. song. Yeah, exactly. So let's make this record. So then, so we go to Jordan, we make the record. But then, what happened is a new president came to East West, and it was this woman who signed in Vogue, and she was really into R and B, and she was you know new, and so she was like, basically, let me get rid of all the you know old old acts on here. I you know I'm starting over, and so she mm. was not. I think she kept. I mean, she didn't get rid of us, but she just wasn't. Mm didn't really want to support the record. So, so then, so we go out there and the crazy thing is like, uh, well, first of all, feed yourself was Marco Collins. I don't know if you remember, but he chose that song as uh, he, he was the, D, the kind of the big DJ at one Oh seven, seven. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't, yeah. it's been so long. I don't remember the DJs. Very, yeah, well, very, was, okay. I remember was, hearing on the one Oh seven point seven, but yeah. Yeah. He was kind of a famous DJ, because he, you know, was I, I think he's credited with breaking Nirvana. Or something sure, like that. sure. Uh, so he was he, he. So he's really has good taste, right? And so yeah. he would, and so he picked "Feed Yourself," even though the record company wanted "Superstar" to be the single. Because so "Superstar" was, was wasn't "Superstar" in KSW. Yes, that's kind of how it. Yes, and so because Marco that's like was, more the mainstream yeah. rock. One hundred seven point right. seven was like the alternative rock. But exactly. I listened to both, and so I remember hearing "Feed Yourself" and "Superstar." Yeah. Those both those songs. So I think. Yeah, I think that's maybe how I bought the record because I knew both those songs. And I was Got like, well, I definitely like Feed Yourself. Yeah. And then I, yeah, it's like I said, I feel like every song like Adeline should have been a hit and Painless is kind of like, it's kind of oh, yeah. like the pop punk. Like mm -hmm. you go almost yeah. a little bit ahead yeah. of your time yes. with that one, but that could have been like a Blink-182 kind of song. I know that's totally, yeah. We have, there've been a lot of cases where we kind of are a little too early and even, even just our whole sound was like more pop, which later came to be like completely the thing. Mm -hmm. But at the time it was not, you too, know, it was yeah. weird. It was weird. And I think yeah. that's why I liked you. Cause I was a big fan of like the eighties stuff, which was more melodic and pop. Mm -hmm. I liked some of the grunge. I loved Alice in Chains and, and yeah, Soundgarden right. and Nirvana and all that stuff too. And Pearl Jam. But I really liked the more like upbeat, like melodics. Like that's kind of how your band was in mm -hmm. my opinion. Like it was not as like dark, you know what I mean? Yes, like yes, if I yes. listen to dirt, it's like, I'm trying to think like, what do I, you know, I listen to dirt and it's like, it's a great album, but it's like, you know, it's like, what do you, you can't really, you're not like singing along and like, you right. know, singing in the right. car to dirt. Like you're listening to it. It's like maybe like workout music or something. Yeah. Right. It's like, you're listening to the, you sort of think and you're like, Oh fuck. You know, it's, <laughs> it's good, but it's just it's like, good, it's a yeah. different kind of like, whereas like when I'm listening to super friends, I'm like I'm singing along to all the songs and like, you know, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's definitely what that's so great to hear. Cause that's really what I was after is I wanted something that right. could like lift you up. Um, and so anyway, uh, so yeah, so, so then, oh, so they didn't do a video and we actually had, mm. this is what was crazy. 
superstar was number uh like 19 in the country like nationwide uh like uh in the charts it was okay on the yeah, alternative yeah. radio or uh, on regular rock radio and then oh. so, so, so we hit the we cro- uh, cross the top 20 and because we were like we got to do a video for this and and then they're like okay you know we'll do a video if you cross the top 20 we cross the top 20 then then they're like well it needs to cross the top 20 in the alternative charts and then we fucking did that <laughs> <laughs> and they still and, didn't do it and then they still didn't do it yeah Cause, yeah, because I don't think I, there's, yeah, there's no video for that, right? There's no, no video, video for yeah, either video. of those songs on, which yeah. is so, and that's what I was going to ask you because at that time, I don't think people understand, like young kids don't understand, like you needed MTV. It's yeah, not like now where you could just be on YouTube or yeah. TikTok or Spotify or like you, if you didn't have MTV, you weren't going to make it nationally. Yes. Locally, yeah. you guys were, I think like big, right? I mean, like you yeah, said, yeah, you yeah, no, saw, we were definitely one of the biggest bands for sure. Locally, yeah. like, um, and, and yeah, the, you know, how do you break that? In? The video is how you connect with, 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 you know, cause they can't come see your shows. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, the, and, and that's how you connect with people through that video. And so, um, so them not doing a video, we were just totally screwed. And so then that's when we like, we're like, okay, this label is not happening for us. And this guy, Tom Zutat, who signed Guns N' Roses yeah. said, hey, reached out to us and said, Hey, cause he heard a record. He was like, this is a hit record. I'm starting a label. Um, uh, on EMI and oh. you, let me see if I can get you guys out of your contract and come join me and I'll re-release the thing and, 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 and we'll make it, you know, we'll do it right. And so uh, we were like, sounds good. And so then, but then it was like kind of a bad choice, honestly. I mean, I don't know what the right choice was, but then it took him forever to get the label. It took him like a year. And then by that time he was like, well, maybe we should just make another record. And, you know, I really want to work with Dave Durden because I, you know, I wanted, he, he had originally wanted Dave to do the, uh, um, the Guns N' Roses record apparently. And, and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he was like, let's just record another record. And we we're like, okay, fine. So we had to write a whole new record. <laughs> Is that suicide? Yeah, that was suicide. And yeah, that was wasn't released really- until 99. Exactly. Cause that basically, so what ended up happening is we did that, we recorded it. And, and then right like the m- month we were going to re- release the record hit uh, Tom Zutat's label when EMI basically pulled out of America and they, they had EMI of America and they shut down all of EMI of America, which was also um, Zutat's like, label, which is called the Enclave. Yeah. The Enclave. Um, and I think it was called the Enclave. Yes. I forget. Anyway, shut that the whole thing down. And, and so then we never released the record and that's when we were like, fuck this. Like, <laughs> and so, so then we, and well, we also had a side project band going park on. boys, right? Park boys. Yeah. yeah. And which, which was really when we were recording that last record, we were all living in these Oakwood apartments um, down there, which yeah, uh, they have various nicknames for that, that place. But uh, the, in there, I had my, my eight uh, track little recording thing. And we just, cause we were kind of bored, you know, there was like a lot of downtime. Mm. We basically started writing all these songs on the eight track, just kind of like, you know, keyboardy songs or just, you know, dr- cause I had a little drum machine. On, with this was more experimental. Right? Yeah. It was more experimental. Yeah. And yeah. We I found just- this on Spotify. It's not bad. It's, it's interesting. You said the Thanks. first show yeah. that you did as the park boys was a disaster though. Oh, right. It was horrible. It because was so you weren't bad. used to like, you were all like switching instruments and things and you, you didn't really yeah. practice. You're like, Oh, well, we've practiced before. And then exactly. We're like, we got this. And then it, it, we're so used to it. You know, yeah. I mean, we had toured like, you know, s- six months straight and you, you play a show every night. And there's a thing that you get into that, that I only barely touched upon this sort of like into the tour four months into it or whatever. 
you're on stage and again, every night you're, you're playing, you get to the point where it's so in your body that all of a sudden I st- sort of like get like would lift outside of my own kind of body in a way. And I'm singing doing the whole show. And then I, I'm just sort of observing. I'm like, Oh, there's, you know, there's some people over there. There's the thing over here. Maybe I'm going to kind of move over this way. And it's like, I'm sort of just almost like watching myself perform. And that's, wow. when, that's when things get incredible. And that's, so this is a positive, you're having an out of body experience, but yes, it's like a yes. positive, positive thing. And it, it because that's all of a sudden, and, th- and then it's like, Oh, I guess I'm going to, you know, f- do a flip or like, I'm going to like, all of a sudden you just, I'm going to do this with my voice. And like, all of a sudden you just have this insane, like, like power to, 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 to do anything. And, uh, and, and so that's when a band, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I could kind of push the band and, you know, and then we do something differently in this way. And we might like, you know, do some crazy crescendo for the end of a song. And, and like, you just get this like insane ability to be connected. Um, but it's hard to explain, but, okay. but, but it was, but it's great. And, mm-hmm. and then I, getting that, I'm like, this is what happens when you're, this is actually, you're in the zone. This is the true zone. Yeah. I, you're I, the, I, like, I thought I had the zone before. No, <laughs> this is next level. zone. Okay. You're the Tom uh, Brady of music at this point. Like you're just exactly. Killing it. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. It's Four awesome. Quarter, you know, you're like, how does he do that? Yeah. Dude, he's, he's doing it. He's, he's out here. He's, he's, he's seeing things in like a whole, how do you get to, is it just through, you said like four months. So it's just like repetition and practice. It's repetition. And, I think it's okay. just, you just have to just do it, do it, do it. You do it so much that your, your conscious brain doesn't have to be involved anymore. Mm. And mm. so, so now all of a sudden it's like, you're just, it's all happening. And then your conscious brain gets to like, that's what I'm saying. It's, I think that that's what's happening. It's just the out of body. It's like, oh, what's happening here? Maybe I'll tell my body to do this. Maybe, you know, but you have this like very um, kind of abstract control. It's like abstract. That's, that's what it is. Like abstract control. Because all the real shit is happening like, you know, so, sort of unbeknownst to you. So you, yeah. I didn't realize you guys toured so long. Because um, I know, like I said, you toured with Candlebox and Flaming Lips. What other yeah, bands yeah. did you tour so with? Did, did you do did. like international tours or did, how no, far away did you go? We never did that. We, we, we just, uh, I think our longest tour was, we just I'm trying to think where we started, uh, who we started with, but we would, we would kind of hop from like, we did chains for a while and then we hopped and we toured with Sun City. And then we, the, maybe then we got on Candlebox. It was sort of, we would just like, you know, wherever we were, we would, you know, talk hmm. to our managers, like, can you get us another, on another tour? And then we would do a month here and do another month there. And we just kind of, the goal is to keep stringing along as much. So as you possible. were still touring with Allison Chains at this point when they were like at their peak, they still yes, had yes. you oh, open. Yeah. They were selling out 5,000 seat uh, venues. It was crazy. I mean, um, we, the, we played Detroit. I remember, uh, cause I think it's that same place in that movie eight mile. Um, it's like the Detroit something theater. Okay. And then, uh, uh, it starts with an O it's like, it's like Orpheum or something like that. Anyway, mm, I forget. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. But it's a, a 5,000 seats, you know, old, old school theater. And I remember, Oh my God, that was one of the best shows. I mean, at least on the tour. And, uh, they started and the whole crowd is like, it's like festival seating, you know, just imagine yeah. looking up from, from, I guess, backstage or side stage or whatever. And the crowd just moves as one. It's just like these, like, human just like you know i it's hard to explain it's like they're all one entity in 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 a way and they were just 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 so into the show and and change was just killing it that's awesome so yeah because kevin martin from candlebox said that like the 90s the the peak of grunge 
the Seattle scene. He said that the bands, it was more cutthroat and that they were like out for themselves and there wasn't a camaraderie, but you kind of seem to say the opposite. You, you, uh, you know, yeah. Allison chains had you on and I mean, Candlebox obviously had you on. Yeah. So you're well, not seeing see that, that kind of cutthroat I, stuff. Yeah, I, I'm surprised Kevin said that. Cause I don't see it like that at all. I well, I do you think that? There, okay. So maybe it was just his band. Cause he, he seemed to think a lot of people didn't like them because they got hot and successful, like real quick. And people were like mad, like, where did you guys come from? Like you guys came it's out of true, nowhere. It's true. If they kind of had timing wise, they just had it really tough because it's exactly right. Like all these other bands, you know, chains was, were slogging it out and like these crappy practice places, like, like, you know, we were the same practice place. Um, everyone was kind of playing, you know, gorilla gardens and yeah. these terrible shows forever and just kind of sucking. Every, I mean, chains was probably never sucking, but you know, we were sucking for it. a lot of bands were <laughs> learning, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and learning and, and, and just, it was, you know, it was hard. It just, you know, it's like long way to the top. Right. And so, um, you know, we planned Bremerton, like we opened up as SGM, we played, opened up for uh, suicidal tendencies in Bremerton. Mm. It's a crazy show there. And it's dudes rushing the stage and like the bouncers having to like, you know, pump, like, <laughs> I didn't know they did shows in Bremerton. That's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the venue, but it was, uh, they did a bunch of shows there. It stuck with an end. Um, but, uh, anyway, sorry. Point is like, you know, hard times, right. Uh, sleeping in the van down in California, can't afford to, you know, get dinner. It's like, you know, tough. Yeah. And and so then here comes Candlebox. Now, you know, who knows? I mean, Kevin also was in a million bands, like, and, and but people just didn't know that. Yeah. Cause I think he was like, he, he was, was like, in, yeah. he was a drummer. Oh, right. Okay. Well, so he was friends with my girlfriend, girlfriend at the time. He went to high school with her. Oh, okay. Um, and they were kind of sort of friends uh, from high school. And then she was actually really good friends with Barty, who was a bass player. Sure. And so Barty, um, and we actually had Candlebox open up for us. And that was one of the, um, I don't know if Kevin mentioned that, but uh -uh. Um, I saw one of their very first shows, which was up at some, you know, oh my God, it was like a, like a, like a buffet you know, like kind of like really, really crappy kind of venue up in Shoreline or something like that. I forget what it was, but I don't think it had a stage. It was like, they're like on the floor, um, but they were really good. I was like, Oh my God. Cause I'd seen Barty and a bunch of other bands. Okay. Friends and Sarah yeah. dragged me out and, and, and they were not good. And, and then I was like, Oh my God, these guys, these guys are good. Like, and, and, you know, the Peter, the guitar player was incredible. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, and even this tiny little thing, I was like, these guys are good. We should have them open up. And so, cause we were pretty big at the time and they opened up a rock candy show. Just everyone loved them. And after, like after that show, they were able to, to have their own shows. It mm. was the exact same situation that happened to us when we got the opening gig for, for, uh, you know, Mookie. That's cool. So, yeah. So I, you know, for me, it was like, that was how things went. You went and, you know, helped each other out. And, and I never, I never felt like it was like a, a pie that, you know, was a fixed pie. Like it was like, there's always room for another great band. Like, that's good. Like, that, well, that's yeah. good to hear a different perspective. So yeah, that was, that was how I thought. I'm just trying to think if there was any, did you ever have any interaction with uh, these guys? Soundgarden? Yes, but um, uh, yes, but not a ton. Again, they were kind of that older set. So okay, we, we never we never toured with them. Um, you know, of course, Chris was married to, to to Susan, so you know that, and we we you know had a lot of interaction with Susan. So mm. that was a little a little thing. But um, I mean, I you know not not a ton. Like I, I remember seeing one time. <laughs> Uh, one time Keith Richards played uh, a show and some, you know, through, through Su Susan would always get it, you know, cause she was like big time manager. So she would always get like 
you know, VIP tickets to, to all the, all the shows who came through town. Right. And so I was really into Keith Richards and the stones and stuff, Mick. And, and so Keith, uh, and I don't think it was a stones show. I think it was just like Keith, cause Keith had a solo record or something. I forget it. Whatever it was, Keith Richards, he was down backstage and, and it was after the show. And so I go back down to try to meet him. And then Chris is there as well. And so, we, you know, we kind of, Hey, how's it going? And I mean, we, we knew each other. Right. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I was like, how's it going? And he, he kind of brought up Andy's death and stuff like that. Mm. And I was like, okay, dude, like, you know, I'm just trying to meet Keith Richards here. Like, mm. he, he was, yeah. but he was kind of like, you know, I mean, now, you know, knowing now that he died and everything, it's like, yeah, he was always really, um, he, he was, I want to say depressed, but it was like, he was always like, you know, really thoughtful and, 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 and I would say like, um, yeah, I think he was just very, like, he was like emotional, you know hmm. what I mean? That, that yeah, was, no, that like, makes sense. Yeah, Cause that's yeah. how I, I think a lot yeah. of people are like that, that can make amazing music cause they're yeah. like pouring their soul into it. And I think that's probably cathartic for them. So that's why it's like frustrating when they die. Cause it's like, maybe you should just made more music. Maybe that would, I don't yeah. know. Maybe they just feel like they can't do it anymore. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to yeah. be in that position, but it's terrible. It's, it is really tough. And it is weird because, you know, so many people have died. I mean, you know, Chris, uh, you know, Lane, obviously, um, Andrew Wood. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Andrew Wood. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there aren't that many of, uh, okay. Lanigan's still alive. That's good. Uh, from screaming then, trees. Yeah. 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 That I love that band. I yeah. They're, they're all, you know, I mean, they, they did get pretty big, but I feel like they could have been. Yeah. And a uh, green apple yeah. quick step that you've done some oh. shows with them. I love that band. Like that's another yeah. one where I'm like, dude, they had some really good songs, really good songs. And that, you know, Ty is still making music. Like we were just in the studio um, yesterday and, uh, oh. and Ty, Ty had been in there like two days prior or whatever. Um, the singer. Okay. Yeah. So he's still, he's still making music. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. Cause you guys just did a show with him in Candlebox in 2018, I think just a few years ago. Right. Oh yeah. 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 Exactly. And he, that's was, cool. he was great. So, um, yeah, yeah so, so you guys get you guys broke up because the record label stuff or whatever and so then you just did anyone go out and do any other music projects or did everyone just go get a day job or what happened um would definitely a lot of day jobs but um trying to think if anyone did anything so, i mean yeah like our drummer was in a band called the protocol a couple of different bands he he paul euler kept kept playing mm. the whole time and in fact that's he was the one who really got us back together okay because um uh this is about 2008 or something like that and he we just got together and we were having dinner you know again we're, we're all friends from yeah. growing up so there's that um which is nice to be in a band when when you actually like like the people <laughs> that helps yeah for sure <laughs> it doesn't always happen yeah um and so uh so we were having dinner and paul was like yeah you know i got this practice place he's like yeah you know we should think about like doing a like a reunion show or something like that uh if you guys are into it and he was like, if, if nothing else, if you want to come to my practice place, we can just play. And so, you know, a lot of it is like, it's hard to play. You can't just like, you know, play in your living room. It's so loud and stuff. So having a practice place is actually a huge deal. Yeah, so, that's true. And you guys are all in the same area. It's like, cause yes, that's what exactly. a lot of bands I hear, you know, it's like they got the singers in New York and the drummers in Florida oh. and the guitarists in Seattle. And so it's like, you just can't, 
Unless you're going to do these Zoom yeah. kind of things. Well, that's hard with a band, I would think. Yeah, yeah, totally. It does not yeah. work. So, so you get um, back together and then you do this Clear the Tarmac album. You've made yep. the Firebird EP. Do you have another album that you guys are working on, right? Yes, we do. We do. And in fact, I'll just let me plug the Firebird thing because that is... So uh, Paul was our drummer forever. After the Clear the Tarmac thing, um, he was basically like, you know, hey, guys, you know, he always was trying to be like, hey, maybe we don't need to practice. Let's take a break. You know, maybe we should take a break from practicing. And then I was telling Paul, I was like, Paul, you know, like, this is my break. <laughs> Playing music. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and so he he didn't see it that way. So, okay. um, and he had like a third kid. And so he was basically like, he, you know, he basically was like, I, I'm out. You know, it's no offense, guys, but I, I just, you know, I, I don't want to put in the time that you guys want to put in. It's basically hmm. what it was, right? I don't really have the time. Okay. And so then we got Chris um, Friel, who was another guy we grew up with, um, who was in um, uh, Goodness. You remember the band? Yeah, Goodness? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so he's a drummer from, from Goodness, and he was in another band, The Rockfords, with Mike McCready. He grew up with Mike McCready. Oh. Uh, and so it's good, still really good friends um, with him. And in fact, I'm going to his house in a couple hours because he's having a little party. Uh, Wait, <laughs> McCready's or Chris's? Chris's, Chris's. And so, uh, uh, anyway, so Chris, real amazing drummer. And so Chris was like, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll join. Um, and so, so we started playing with Chris, which was, which was amazing because he is like seriously like a, he's like a savant drummer. I mean, he's so freaking good. Uh, and, and so, um, so that was fun. And then we did this Firebird record with him. Uh, which was kind of trying to like, I was really into who live at Leeds at the time. I was going to say higher standards totally reminds me of won't get fooled again. Totally. Right. Yes, it, it's yes. Okay. I mean, that's the, on purpose. The whole, the, uh, the whole record was trying to be like, the, I mean, you should listen to live. Have you ever listened to live at Leeds? That uh, record, record. Okay. But, I don't, okay. I'm not a big live record guy, but yeah, I'll, ch- I'll give it a shot. But I Try. think if you put higher standards and won't get fooled again, like you could do one of those mashups, you know, those mashups, that'd be a perfect mashup. <laughs> okay, do it, do it. All right. It's spread out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So if you, if you listen to that record, it's really amazing. Cause okay. it's like, it is live, but it's, it's like, it's like, you know, when I was talking about how when a band can just like, they can communicate on this kind of other level and they can change things and do like yeah. that record. They're doing it. They're okay. Doing it. And, and, and it's like, there's, I mean, one song's like, you know, seven minutes long, but it's not boring at all. Cause the whole time they're just, they're doing this. They're not just jamming. They're like, they're like creating in the moment. It's really cool. And so, and it's just one guitar. The thing about the who is, is it's one guitar player just playing one guitar. Yeah. And, a bass player and a drummer and then they sing and that's that's it and they create this incredible sound with with just you know three people so i was really into that record and i was like man i want to i want to and chris i feel like he, he's a drummer who could pull it off and i was like let's try to just make something like 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 this who, who record something just totally like abandoned you know just like wild abandoned like and and just whatever whenever you think you're going crazy go crazier <laughs> <laughs> i like it yeah. So if you listen to that record, like it's, I really like that record. I think it's like the closest thing we've gotten to like our live feel. Mm-hmm. You know, people, a lot of times said, you know, our live show is better than our records. I mean, Super Friends is a great record by itself, but like never really capturing that live feel. And I feel like Firebird did. Okay. Um, so that's, that's cool. So that, that was that. And now we, we just went in the studio. We had been practicing before COVID and kind of working on some songs. We had some going, but it was like, you know, we didn't practice enough to really get it going. And then Rich, 
just all of a sudden got like it in his head. He was like, we're going to make a freaking record. We're going to make our best record ever. And then, and I was like, okay, uh, do we really have the songs? Like, I don't know. And then, and then we kind of went through and I, I always keep like a whiteboard of like, you know, I, I record all the practices and try to pull out songs that are happening. And like, you know, then I'll do, we'll record ones without vocals and then I'll take them home to my studio studio and try to work on, you know, uh, the, the lyrics and stuff. And so, um, so we kind of had something going and then, and then I did had one song that I wrote, uh, uh, the song shine on that was pretty cool that I just wrote, like it came to me, like it was like, you know, in like 10 minutes or something. And it was, it was uh, during the time, you know, COVID for, you know, we're all stuck in the same freaking four walls. I mean, this is nice four walls and this is what I like it, <laughs> yeah. but it's still four walls. And, and there was something about it where like, I've been playing a lot of guitar. Everyone's been like playing a lot of music by themselves kind of. And, and I remember it was August and it was the smoke came into Seattle, you know, which has happened. Oh, yeah. I saw and that. So, yeah. So it was like, we're stuck in the, you know, we'd been stuck inside for, you know, whatever quarantine for, for a year. And then the smoke came and there was this like red ball that was the sun. And I remember looking at it from right here. And I was like, you know, I, I, I felt like it was like, someone's communicating me from like this distant planet. And like, how can I get out of this like smoky world? And like, Jeez. And so, so then it, and the first line is like, send me a message from the planet you're on. And it crossed those light years instantly. Uh, and, and so that was kind of the, the beginning of this, the song. And, um, and so then we started just kind of writing and it was all really coming. Uh, and so we go into the studio and it's a, a, an amazing studio that uh, stone, Gossard uh, owns from Pearl Jam, and he uh, and and this guy Floyd, who's who's the engineer there, is fantastic. And so we go in the studio. We booked four days, like I took off work Friday and Monday. We just did four straight days, and we basically pulled off, you know, at least drums, bass, basic guitar, like sixteen songs. And so, uh, which is a lot. Uh, and so, so we, we have 16 songs that we, 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 you know, have the basic recordings uh, for. And so we just kind of kept going in whenever there were days free, there's like, you know, one Friday free, you know, the studio is like quite booked. Um, and so, uh, we I think we did like about 12, 14 days total. And so now we have, um, you know, all the basic tracks for, for, for all 16 songs. And so I'm finishing uh, all the vocals in my studio here. Awesome. So uh, when will yeah. this come out? Good question. You know, it's really all about me. <laughs> it's like, how can, cause I still have to finish, but, but like seven of the songs are fully written. Um, and so I still, and then the other ones are kind of partially written. So, so the music's done, but you're still writing all the lyrics and the vocals. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, but I got, I got, you know, so about seven songs that are, that are done and, and okay. they're awesome. They're great. Um, and so, I mean, it's definitely like the best stuff we've ever done. So, um, it's, awesome. It's, well, I can't wait now. Now I think you're going to like it. It's okay. really, it's, 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 it is kind of another level. So, um, really? Yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, for us, so we'll see. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm really excited about it. Um, and is yeah. this coming out on, um, like an indie label or are you just putting it out yourself? Well, we, how? We, we don't know. I mean, that's okay. a good question. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to, I think, you know, Chris keeps saying, he's like, you know, these songs are too good. We can't just like put them out ourselves. We got to like, so, we, you know, we'll, my job work on the songs, get them sung. And then independently, we're going to see, see what we, you know, we'll probably send it out to different labels and see if anyone's interested. I mean, it's tough to make money. Nobody makes money selling records. No, it's all about the live shows and stuff. But if you can do use that, uh, as a marketing tool, basically to get your band out there, get on some more podcasts and things like that, get your name on. Cause that's the thing is like, 
I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, there's so many bands that are so brilliant, but it's like, it's like they, we need to like, they need to tell the world about them. Like, like you guys need to like scream from the top of the mountain. Like listen to us. Like, because I feel like people missed out on that super friends record. And that was just such a brilliant record. And I I just wonder what could have happened if that thing would have taken off, Mm -hmm. you know, the second album at the follow-up would have been really sooner. And, you know, it's just totally, totally. No, no. I mean, yes. If that, if, if all things had gone like court, like it's definitely something I think about, but I, you know, I try not to, yeah, I I don't want to dwell on it. No. And it's not too late. If you have a brilliant record now, I say the best stuff wins. I mean, and that's the thing you can put on Spotify, YouTube, everything, but yeah, like I, like I said, I think a big piece of it too is you got to get out there and promote it and Definitely. get on the podcasts and do interviews and tour like a madman and do as much as you can. So I'd love totally. to see you. Will you guys, you think you'll be doing like a tour like or some West Coast yeah. shows at least? Yeah, no, or? we would tell, I mean, basically we're totally up for that because we, you know, this this record, one, one of the things that I wanted to do is because um, we had this other record, we did uh, Dance for Kills, which was kind of like a, I don't want to say like electronic, but it was more, it was more trying to be kind of more modern. Okay. And you know, I love, I'm going to get sense here and I love, I mean, I love all music and I love messing around with all that stuff. Right. And, and so I was kind of wanting to have something that had this like, you know, real drums, but also like a drum machine and like, you know, crazy groove and like, you know, synths in there and like just, just more out there. And, and that was cool. And I think we did pretty good job. We have some good songs on there, but the thing that I realized is like, what makes us special is that we can play as a band mm-hmm. and we've, you know, we've, we've got, you know, 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours. We've got freaking 25 years of doing this. Right. And, and so a lot of, you know, like young people today don't play in bands that they, they can, you know, use the computer and they can basically yeah. get great songs like that, but they're, they're not going to have that, that, that organic element, that element that I'm talking about where the, right. you're playing off of each other, like in the moment. Yeah. And there's something very special about that. If, you, if, 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 if done right. And so I'm like, okay, for this record, we're going to play like, I mean, I don't know if you know how, how records are made, but it's, it's kind of unusual for ever, everyone to actually play together and like keep those tracks. Yeah. Isn't usually like you record the vocals and you record the yeah. guitars here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And usually what it usually start with the drums and if you get, get, get a good drum take, you're good. And then basically go record the bass on top of that. Then you record the guitars and you basically layer it up. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this one we were like, no, I want to, I, I want to see if we can get the basics, uh, you know, actually play it together hmm. and, and, and not play it to like a, they call it the grid, like don't have it on a, a perfect click track, you know, let, let, let the band move, uh, you know, uh, tempo wise. Okay. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you want to speed up during like a part cause it's the exciting part. And actually that's cool when it speeds up. Yeah. Um, and so, so anyway, that was my concept for this record is like, let's make it re- a real, real band playing. Okay. Um, and so, and so we did, and that's part of the reason why we could get 16 songs done in four days. Cause, cause we just, you know, played them all together. Right. right? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. so, um, so yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be shouting from the rooftop, but, right. but my, my point is we do have something, you know, like kind of different that we can get, give to the, to, to, you know, to, to, to anyone who wants to listen. And that is this idea that we were really playing together and there's something like in the best example of that, it's going to be something you can't get like right. from a computer. No, I agree. So what's on your bucket list? Like, is there any, uh, tours, any bands you want to perform oh, yes. with or any, anyone Ooh, you want to co-write oh, with or venues you want to go to that you want to perform at specifically or, Ooh. you know, my, I, I haven't thought, well, okay. What I really want to do is I want to do summer festivals in Europe. That's okay. what I want to do. 
And I think that's like achievable. I think that's actually yeah, an achievable. Absolutely. Goal. Like, and so that's what, that's what I really want to do. Like I'm going to play like Glastonbury and like all that, all that shit. Like, um, you know, there's a bunch of fest- festivals in Germany and everybody like in Europe, they all just go out and it's like a huge, of course, I don't know, COVID. I mean, hopefully next year. Um, and they're just, you know, they camp, on the, 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 the lawn and they're just there for like multiple days. And there's like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, tons of amazing bands and, you know, probably some like metal bands or who knows, but anyway, I just want to get on some of those things. That, okay. that, that's what I would like. That's achievable for sure. Yeah. And Glastonbury, I don't know if you, if you've ever heard of that one, uh-uh. that's, um, it's in England. It's, it's on the site of King Arthur's, uh, what's, what's, what's called, uh, Camelot, Camelot. Yeah. Camelot. Okay. Yeah. 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 Wow. That would be cool to see. Yeah. That would be really neat. That's definitely Apparently, a good bucket I mean, it's list. The, the supposed site. Okay. Is, is but you might do a tour in, 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 uh, the United States as well. Like, would you come to Arizona or Phoenix maybe possibly or yeah, Vegas yeah, or, yeah. okay. Absolutely. I mean, if we could put, it's just a matter of, so if we can get this, you know, the record co- goes out, let's say people are actually loving it. Oh, then we can get tours and we can, we can do it. Like, would you try to be, get on as an opening, maybe open for Candlebox again or something like that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. We would do that. We would do, um, you know, it would be great. Any, any kind of rock act would be fantastic. And I don't even know. um, Yeah. Candlebox would be great. I know we, we played with them. It was, it was super fun in Seattle. We did two nights at, at uh, the Paramount. Mm. And they sold out two nights, uh, which was really cool. That's and, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you know, packed thousands of people and, and just, just great. I love great the Paramount. I've seen a lot of shows there. Cool. Well, yeah. this has been a lot of fun. I like to end each episode with a charity. I don't know if you're, uh, if Rich told you that. So is there a charity that you want to support or want to give a shout out to here? You know, I would love to support uh music cares. That's one. That, oh, um, yes. I love I, that one. Okay, great. Okay, yeah. So you probably know it's Grammy Charity. They help out um, artists in a ton of different ways. Like, you know, a lot of times artists don't have health care and they, mm-hmm. you know, maybe need their like teeth fixed or something like that. And they'll, you know, they'll help out there also with people who have addiction issues. They'll, you know, pay for them to go to like treatment and things like that. Love it. Um, yeah. So it's a really, really great charity. And um, I actually know someone uh, who, who works, works, works there as well. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'll put that in the notes. If people want to throw a few bucks, I'll put the Sweetwater Rocks website in the notes as well. People should check you, out all your you. music. Yeah. Yes. And please check out the, uh, check out the website. You know, we're on Spotify, uh, we're on Spotify. We're on, um, we're also on, you know, social media and Twitter and mm-hmm. Instagram and all that. And Cole, our bass player basically does all that. And he does a great job. Okay. You can check out if you, if you poke around there, um, from Sweetwater Rocks or go to our, our, our Twitter or whatever, you can see some of the, um, uh, little videos from the studio. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen that on Instagram and like, okay, yeah. he does some throwback stuff. Like there was a picture that, uh, of Sweetwater opening for citizen Dick, which was like the fake band on uh, yes. singles. Did you guys <laughs> actually do a show? Is that, or was that just, it wasn't actually a show, but okay. we got on there just because that's that was cool. Yeah, I don't just, remember that in from the movie. I'll have to. I want to re- rewatch that movie, movie now. It's straight up You're not movie. in the movie though, just the no, name. No, but that's so just, cool. Just the name. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Very fun. Well, all right. Well, thanks. This is a lot of fun, Adam. I really appreciate it. So great to to, to talk with you. And um, yeah, thanks so much for having uh, me on and supporting the band. I really appreciate it. Okay, and awesome. Also, all the bands that you're supporting. It's a really cool thing that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I'd love to see. I'm definitely want to see you guys. It's on my bucket list is to see your band. Even if okay. I have to fly back to Seattle, where my family all lives there, so I'm up there a couple times a year anyway. So okay, well, I, we, we let's keep in touch, and we'll tell you when our next. You know, just COVID has made it so we can't play, but we're you know we're gonna play. Yeah, well, um, yeah. Now they got everyone's got the vaccines and stuff, so I think uh, shows are happening, right? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I hope to see a show soon.
All right. Rock and roll. Right. See you. Take it, take it easy. See you later. Wow. That was fun. Wasn't it? So you must agree if you're still listening or you're just hate listening. Uh, but Adam is so nice and happy and what a great guy. And just so talented as a singer songwriter. I loved hearing the story of the band because I really didn't know much about it. And I don't think that the story is over. I'm uh, I'm excited for new music from Sweetwater and I will definitely catch them live at some point somewhere. Uh, but just make sure to follow Sweetwater on all social media. Uh, all the links are on their website, which is in my show notes, along with my website and social media links. And if you follow me on social media and like and share and comment on the post, that really helps me out. You can also support the show by writing a positive review of it or positive comments on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Thank you so much for taking the time and making it to the end. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And remember to shoot for the moon.